0: the Go Blue Crew. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Go Blue Crew. I'm Tyler Fenwick with Derek Devine. It is the happiest day in the history of this podcast. We have never talked about a Michigan win over Ohio State, Derek. Never. Not once. And so what I want to do first is an artistic kind of thing. Paint a scene for me. Where were you? Who was with you? What was your reaction? What were people doing? Did people cry? I mean, tell me what that was like.
1: First off, I don't have much of a voice, and it is definitely because of all of the yelling that I did this Saturday. Uh, Not anything to do with the fact that I have a cold. All about the yelling. No. So... That gives you, you know, the first glimpse. There were some loud reactions, uh, both negative and positive, mostly positive, obviously, because the outcome was was a win. Uh, But I was in my parents' living room, you know, after celebrating some Thanksgiving late in the weekend and had the nephew there for the second half as well. He's two and a half, so he was, you know, not really paying attention, but some people were kind of paying attention to him because he's young. But I was glued to the TV i'd pound fist pound my dad every time there was a touchdown kiss my wife every time there's a touchdown it's one of our rituals i know you're married now wow definitely yeah. recommend it. every touchdown okay you know and yeah a lot of that was happening i, I remember getting up out of my chair to go give my wife the wife the touchdown kiss and like kind of looked at her like what is going on like how pecs? is michigan oh oh slip the lip But I look at her and I'm like, what is going on? How do they even have a chance to, like, pull away in this win? And, yeah, so that was the scene, you know, just a mix of a ton of hope, a lot of excitement, and, you know, a little bit of fear that, hey, they've been in these positions and and dropped the ball before. But they hung on, and I think that's the longest post-game show I've ever watched. Uh, You know, I just kept watching until – Fox Big Noon Saturday wanted to stop covering
0: it. I like, you know, most people, because it's Thanksgiving, end up watching the game with family every year. And we will not strictly, but we will keep it in mind like, okay, we were at this person's house last year and things did not go well. We need to switch it up. So we will do that. And so we found our spot. Um, my mom and I are the craziest. Like, we are up on the TV. Uh, screaming high-fiving hugging my mom and I are not huggers not affectionate people I think when the game ended we embraced longer than we have ever embraced in our lives I laid on the floor and I just put a hand up just all praise (laughs) I didn't know what to do this feeling washed over me I understand what baptism is that's you know that's that's what it was. I was I was baptized by the Wolverines that day. I mean that's that's what it felt like. I do not have a kissing ritual with my wife, but uh, something definitely to to look into maybe for next season. But I told oh, everybody yeah. remember what you're wearing, remember where you were, because come next year we're doing the exact same thing, the exact same thing. Nobody's changing a thing. I had to go back and forth. I want to wear my uh number 4 white jersey or do I want to go with the classic blue denard robinson jersey number 16 i went with the white jersey i thought that you know first of all it just matched what i was wearing better yeah but you know it works so i mean we were so crazy about this kind of stuff and uh it, you kind of have to be after after so long it'll just make you crazy and and i'm with you like the thing that that captured me the most was just how how they pulled away And Ohio State put together a couple couple scoring drives in the fourth quarter, but it's like you knew the whole time. Like, It doesn't matter what Ohio State's going to do offensively because you know when Michigan gets the ball back, they're dominating up front. And it's always the opposite story. It's always Ohio State doing that. That's crazy.
1: I think if you remove bias and remove fandom and you're, you know, it's called a casual, watching the game, casual college football fan, I think you probably think, michigan is dominating earlier than we did um and not just dominating but like pulling away you know likely ohio state wasn't going to be able to do anything to win i think it happened even earlier than i expected when i went to watch it back i think i was just so like in the moment of you know they just blew a 16 point lead to michigan state with not a whole lot of time left and that was kind of in the back of my mind especially when Ohio State kind of turned it on offensively. It was some incredible catches, not only throughout the game but in the fourth quarter. But yeah. where I want to focus and kind of paint a picture for you is when Michigan led twenty-one to thirteen. So they had come out and obviously scored on a you know a big Blake Corum run. Hassan Haskins up for a touchdown run, and then the next drive Michigan had on offense was. Probably, you know, in the moment when I went back and watched it, and I've thought about it ever since, probably one of my favorite drives I can think of um, as a Michigan football fan. So I want to give you the the plays here to, to paint the scene. So the first okay. thing that happens is, is Donovan Edwards has a one-handed catch. It doesn't go for very many yards, but you just kind of the eye-popping catch where you're like, whoa. Like yeah. there's a guy that hasn't made a lot of plays today making a five-star play. And then J.J. McCarthy comes in, and all he does is swing it down the sideline to Roman Wilson. He really has no business being in the game there, but Jim Harbaugh is going to play his best players, had a perfect play drawn up for him, puts it in. The next -hmm. play, Cade McNamara comes in, even though J.J. just had a phenomenal throw, hands it off to Hassan Haskins, flea flicks it back to Cade McNamara, hits Mike Sanders still for 34 yards. And you're like, at that point, I'm... Definitely standing up. I might be jumping up and down. I know the drive's ending in a touchdown. Like, it felt like the most dominant display of offense I had seen from Michigan in probably a decade. And then, of course, you have a design run to McCarthy again, who re-enters the game trying to score uh, at the left pylon. Doesn't quite get there. And then, of course, you know, Asan Haskins scores five touchdowns, uh, that being one of them. So that was the moment when I watched it back that I thought, that team was going to win that ball game no matter what. And I think at the time, you know, we were just in kind of uncharted waters of where should we even feel? Because we know the end result of this game nine out of 10 times.
0: I I can't say this is the point where I knew it was going to be a win, but the first drive of the second half when Ohio State has the ball, third and one, and Josh Ross comes up the middle, stuffs the run, Ohio State has to punt, and you're like, "Wow, um, that's not a play that Michigan makes normally." Like you're you're just so used to seeing Ohio State convert on what they're supposed to do, and when that happened, I was like, "Okay, this Michigan defense had just put together a really good first half, and they're not going to mess around the second half." C.J. Stroud, I mean, like you said, he threw some gray balls downfield and he has three legit wide receivers at his disposal all of them made big catches um, it, it was one of those things that you knew it was going to happen but Michigan's defense between getting pressure on CJ Stroud uh, not letting anybody beat you over top just generally making things more difficult than I think Ohio State has been used to that was that was so encouraging for me uh, obviously, you know, the offensive line dominated. San Haskins had a great game. Uh, you know, everything seemed to be working on offense outside of a red zone turnover. But defensively, the way that they just kind of kept, kept everything in check, uh, the big, you know, the 60-yard shot just wasn't there. And I think offensively, Ryan Day uh, knew that. I mean, it, it became clear, like, we're going to have to really work our way up the field and you know sometimes it did because it's a talented offense with with a lot of places to go you just kind of pick what you want and and so it works sometimes but the way Michigan made them work was very very encouraging and with a two possession lead you know that's where that confidence came in it's like even if they do get it it's taken up a lot of time and that defense is walking on the field knowing they can't hang with Michigan's offensive line like that combination right. was exhilarating
1: yeah, if you even go before halftime, you know, so Ohio State gets the ball at the half. That's why that stop, like you mentioned, was, was so critical. You know, they held Ohio State to a field goal. They did not allow Ohio State to take the lead after giving up a big play on that drive. I um, mean, Ohio State got on their own way a couple of times on offense, but You know, overall, Michigan just dominated offensively and defensively, something that I don't think anybody expected. You know, even if you thought there was a chance, like I did, that Michigan could win, you know, I didn't think it would would be in a dominating fashion. I felt like it would be in in a way that maybe they stole one somehow. Um, But just, you know, offense, defense, you know, back and forth, possession after possession, you know, an incredible ball game, first and foremost, especially with Ohio State's, late surge but Michigan looked like the better team the entire time and not only is that impressive because it's against Ohio State who Jim Harbaugh hasn't beaten like I just can't think of a more complete game that that team has played and and we've talked about that for years that's what it takes to beat Ohio State hopefully this shifts something so it doesn't take a perfect game plus Ohio State making a few mistakes and it wasn't exactly perfect you know when it a chance to go up big early. Cade McNamara through interception, you know, clearly forced it in there. Um, I think they had a lot, you know, they, they went big or went home. You know, I, I credit the uh, Josh Gattis one for a brilliantly called offensive uh, game. And then just his aggressiveness, you know, we talked about that going into the you week. Know, Ryan Day would be aggressive. Ryan Day was not a lot, able to be aggressive until late because of the way Michigan was playing. And so it's, it's crazy, but yeah. We just witnessed Michigan dominate Ohio state in every category except for, I guess, see, technically passing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, CJ Strouds, did he, did he cross 400 yards?
1: I think he was he like six yards like short.
0: Three. Okay. Um, no tackles for loss. Did you see that? I didn't notice that during yeah. the game, no tackles for loss. And I also saw, um, Oh, this was, you know, this is just something I saw on Twitter, but, um, no third down for Michigan in the second half.
1: Yeah, I mean they were the chains. They were bailed the key, out on on the two they didn't complete.
0: The key in the first half was just staying on schedule. Lots of third and shorts, and then also the fourth and one. Second half of what they didn't didn't even come into play. I mean it was just like we're moving the chains on first or second down. Um, the last thing that I had planned to talk about because I think it, it might be the most important thing. If you remember last week, um. I don't want to say I was complaining, but I was... Maybe I was complaining. Jim Harbaugh's style of football is, is very difficult. Like, it's 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 not for everybody. It doesn't emphasize the s- same things that you see a lot of uh, really good college football teams emphasize. Um, you know, he's going to take the, the long, slow path down the field most of the time, because that's just... It's the Harbaugh way, you know? And I wondered if that that strategically... Philosophically, could like ever work against a team like Ohio State, you know, that that can just blow the doors off of you, in in like two game minutes, where all of a sudden they've scored twice, and you don't really have an answer, and it worked, and I thought, oh my God, like, this does this open up an, another door on this Jim Harbaugh thing at Michigan, that previously was just totally locked, dead bolted shut, and I don't know. Obviously, you see it once. Um, we won't get an answer in the Big Ten championship game, and that's nothing—nothing uh, nothing like disrespectful against Iowa or Kirk Farris, But that's just, you know, that's not a team that's going to blow the doors off of you anyway. They're very similar in that way. But I just wonder if that—if that changes things for this program in the long term, and, and ultimately, like, how does this win continue to shape Jim Harbaugh's legacy? So, uh, those are questions I just ask myself. Uh, in my head (laughs) and if you gotta uh if you want to take a shot at it go ahead but I I, the thing is right now like I just don't know if if you can give that a definitive answer
1: yeah I mean the one thing that I'll just mention is this is kind of what you'd expect you know Jim Harbaugh is never going to change everything that he does I think you see flashes of you know things that J.J. McCarthy could do that may be different at the quarterback position, you know you see Josh Gaddis bring in some things a few years ago that looked different um, that maybe you know force Harbaugh to, to think offensively in a more modern way. But you know at the end of the day, you know what Jim Harbaugh wants to execute is being the more physical football team, and one of the ways to prove that is by running it down an opponent's throat. And it's I just, just out think of shotgun now,
0: yeah, that's what's changed.
1: The in the in the you know the gaps you know the looks the blocking you know that's one thing where, where Jim Harbaugh has evolved you know Mike Hart coming in helps that a ton you know the the run game was more effective for many reasons you know outside of just a great you know trio of backs now um, you know the offensive line had a hell of a year um, you know consistently looked like um, the better in the trenches and and I thought that was impressive all year and so for them to do that against Ohio State proves that it can work um but yeah you're you're gonna have enough of uh different unharbaugh like flashes I think because you have to have those two when it comes to beating the best teams and and Michigan showed a little bit of that you know with a flea flicker with a downfield shot you know going for a uh kind of a um downfield pass on like third and two ended up getting a, a pass interference call. that kept the drive alive. You know, they, they definitely tried Macamara a different stop.
0: Thought he had a free play there. I, I think, Because I, it's looking right back, before, I think you're right. right before he'd gotten a free play. Right. He throws it downfield. Andrew Anthony dives. doesn't make the catch. I think there he gives the hard clap and Ohio state does jump, but they don't cross the line of scrimmage. Uh, center snaps the ball. Like he's tight, you know, you see somebody jump, snap the ball. We're going downfield. I think Cade McNamara thought he had a free play. he got bailed out by pass
1: interference. Hey, I like, I like the mentality. You know, we didn't see a ton of that. You know, the fact that he even threw a really good ball overall on a free play, you know, we had to complain about that type of stuff all year uh, and he yeah. gave Angel Anthony a shot would have been a heck of a catch in a day oh, yeah. full of incredible catches. But yeah, I mean, you like the, you like his mind when where it's at, trying to throw it downfield twice in a row.
0: Okay, you want to talk about Iowa? Let's do it. <laughs> First of all, did you want Iowa or Wisconsin?
1: You know, I wanted Iowa. I, I always feel like it's probably harder to play a team twice when you've seen them, uh, even if you're the hot team. You know, Wisconsin's pretty hot until they're not. This kind of seems to be a theme this season. Uh, but yeah, I think I think I'm good with Iowa, but uh, don't you know don't write them off. They have one time. Somehow, And I know what your kind of opinion is of of their style of football. Um, They were number two in the country as well. So this is a a pretty good team that Michigan's facing.
0: I'll remind everyone. I don't believe in Iowa's style of football because the modern college football game does not let you hang your hat on a good defense. It'll work for a little bit. As Iowa showed you, um, giving your offense great field position That's awesome. It's not sustainable for 12, 13 games now. That's so, that's my position on Iowa football. By the way, I'm trying to get tickets to this game, man. It's crazy out here. It is like nearly $300 per ticket. It went down just a little bit today, but still not to the point where I'm pulling the trigger.
1: Yeah, I I mean, it wasn't even very high. It wasn't very high at all, you know, around 200, 220, you know, minus the taxes and fees. Before it was known that Iowa was going to be, um, yeah, in the Big Ten championship, and then all of a sudden overnight, I mean, it skyrockets. You know, not surprising, but also very surprising. You know, as as a team that has a chance to you know win this game and go on, you can only imagine the ticket prices. Uh, you know, come semifinal time, and and you know, maybe possibly national championship time.
0: This one's uh, 8 p.m. on Fox. Uh, I live in Indianapolis, you know, Derek, and, and I keep telling people, yeah, this is where they play the Big Ten Football Championship. And, like, one day Michigan's going to be in that game, and I'll be in town. Like, I don't have to travel. I don't have to get a hotel. Uh I never anticipated ticket prices being so crazy. But if you remember back in 2019, this is the last time Michigan and Iowa played. Michigan won 10-3. That was the type of team, and I- Iowa – just consistently is it is the type of team that that Don Brown's defense could just like tee off against. It was one of those fun games to watch where like I know Iowa's offense isn't doing squat today. Anyway. Uh Michigan's a ten and a half point favorite over under's forty three and a half. And I hear people, you know, say it take the under. I don't know. Michigan's ten and two against the spread. Did you know that? That's yeah. the best percentage in college football. Nobody else has ten wins against the spread.
1: I had no it's, idea. It's honestly an incredible year. You know, they were dogs in a lot of games and, and they've won a lot of games in, in environments where they usually don't. Um, so I think Michigan's, you know, played well enough to even fool Vegas odds makers.
0: Yeah, perhaps. I mean, apparently um, Hawkeyes, man, one of the most boring teams in the country. Like we can just say that. And I think Kirk Ferentz is proud of that. I think like everybody, the casual football fan might tune into this big 10 championship game. Be like what the hell am I watching? This is the most boring display of football I've ever seen. Meanwhile, Jim Harbaugh and uh, Kirk Ferris are just, like, giggling on the sideline. They're just like, I love it. This is this is the, uh, the way the Lord intended the game to be played when he invented it, right?
1: Uh, oh, yeah, they love it. They, they're they looking forward to this matchup and definitely respect each other as coaches because they have very identical philosophies in a lot of ways.
0: It Offensively, man, like I'm looking at Iowa, I see – basically nothing to fear like they do some things consistently well the running the ball is like that's you know what they are going to try to do they do have a thousand yard back um I you know there's question marks that quarterback where well yeah, I feel like we're going to see two quarterbacks uh Spencer Petris and, and Alex Padilla I hope I'm saying Padilla right it sounds a little funny but whatever. Um, but I just, like, I don't see anything there that's like, oh, boy, Michigan's going to have to pay attention to that. And then here's the thing, 98th and sacks allowed in the country. Like, is this going to be the game where Aiden Hutchinson pads his stats and says, you need to invite me to New York and, like, really consider giving me the Heisman Trophy? Do you think it's one of those deals?
1: Yeah. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson likely it just feels like the way he performed against Ohio State you know, it was much more than because he's just a dominant, great player. You know, he's he's playing for something. He came back for this reason, and a lot of guys say that. That's why they're coming back. This guy's literally living it and then happens to be, you know, top three uh, probably, you know, prospects in the draft either way if not the top prospect in the draft after what he did against Ohio State. So I think him, you know, obviously a guy like David Ojabo as well. Dax Hill could, could – Probably have a couple of big moments if he wants to elevate his draft stock. I think we're gonna love what the defense looks like in this game, and then maybe be a little frustrated with the offense because Iowa does have a good defense. But yeah, you know this is a. I think it's a favorable matchup in a lot of ways. One, you know Iowa was number two in the country. Uh, They've played in some big moments. Uh, Anytime you're ranked that high, obviously games are bigger. Um, You know they kind of fumbled the bag Uh, when they were number two right away. Uh, and they've kind of you know done enough to put themselves in contention to be in this game. So they're going to bring their best at Michigan, but you know, definitely a favorable matchup. Uh, it feels like if Michigan can beat Ohio State, they can beat just about anybody in the country, maybe outside of Georgia. But it, you know you can look around at opinions now compared to opinions at the beginning of the season. You know I think most people would, would even put them up against Alabama, especially an Alabama team. That struggled. So we have a lot of confidence fans, but I think also you have a lot of confident players and a guy like Aiden Hutchinson is bound to continue to break out uh, in the in the biggest spotlight.
0: I'll tell you one of the most important things that Michigan was able to do against Ohio State defensively is not have to commit too many bodies to stopping the run because then that opens you up to being more vulnerable to CJ Stroud and those, those wide receivers. Um, they didn't have to overcommit to the run to stop Travion Henderson. They, they won the line of scrimmage. Uh, Josh Ross and those linebackers had a, a really good game against Iowa. You can dedicate more of your defense to the run game because you don't have the same threat um, standing back there at quarterback or, or out wide at wide receiver. So I, I think, you know, there's a good chance here that, that, iowa wants to run the football but they might it might just be taken off the table and and now you're asking your shaky quarterback to to go out there and and deliver and you know this really big moment so uh if that's how it works out for michigan that would be fantastic but like you said the the strength of the side team is obviously on the defense they're, they're third in the conference and rush defense sixth and pass defense and they create a lot of turnovers Michigan of course doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot but I I mean I'm a little worried about it because teams you know teams that 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 create opportunities for their offense just seem to play above what you would expect from them and that's quintessentially Iowa I mean you feel like Michigan is well prepared for a team like this but at the same time it just takes like a couple, you know, a bad throw, a bad read, or, or just a little bit of being unlucky, and all of a sudden, you know, you might be down 10 to Iowa. So I, do, you, do you have the same worry at all that, that this might be a, a one of those games where we see a couple turnovers?
1: Yeah. You know, I think, like you said, anytime uh, one side of the ball plays really well and gives opportunities to the other, you know, a lot of good teams, at least championship caliber teams, even if that's a conference championship, you know, play well, you know, offensively as well. And I think Iowa, you know, I'd be interested to see how much tape, uh, you know, Michigan has on Iowa. Uh, you know, we're were people paying attention to them when they were number two in the country, likely to be the representative uh, from the Big Ten West side, you know, assuming Michigan had this chance the all the way through you know, Kirk Ferentz mentioned that he has a folder on Michigan, but threw it out because, you know, this team looks more drastically different than teams that they've played that have had head coaching what? changes. So, yeah, go for I didn't go. see that. Yeah, it's, he, he basically said, you know, I think it was Illinois got a brand new coach and Michigan looks more drastically different than Illinois did. Um, Do you, you think know, he team,
0: meant that metaphorically that he threw out the folder?
1: Yeah, you know, he, he, well, he said he had a, I think he said a, flash drive or a, a folder. I'm Kirk guessing.
0: Parents 100% has a flash drive.
1: I would say yeah. he does, yeah, for each team. You know, probably color-coded.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, no, oh. this is this is a game where, you know, Michigan's favored by 10.5. Spreads will change. Uh, a lot of talk about that going into the, the Ohio State game. Uh, but as you saw, Ohio State was favored uh, even as it got snowier and the weather got worse, uh, Michigan found a way to, you know, you know, go way against the spread. So Iowa has a chance to win this game, uh, but because they've suffered offensively in their losses or when they've played good teams, um, you know, even though they kind of came back on Nebraska and scored enough points to win the game, you know, that was Nebraska. Michigan struggled with Nebraska too. Nebraska plays their best football somehow and then loses every game, you know, they whatever their final point total um, you know, points for, points against ended up being exactly the same. Pretty crazy considering the amount of losses they had. But yeah, Kirk Ferentz teams aren't going to, you know, keep up with you on the scoreboard if you're doing well offensively. So Michigan's just got to find ways to exploit a very good defense And even though, you know, they've lost a game to Michigan State with a good defense and found a way to win a game against Ohio State, both of those defenses are very good. Penn State's defense was very good at times. Um, It was their offense that struggled. And so this might look like Michigan-Penn State. uh, Neutral game environment, Indianapolis, you know, should be very, very uh, entertaining in terms of both crowds showing out. So Michigan's the better team. I just hope they're prepared and and can can prepare themselves for a college football playoff berth.
0: I had the honor of writing a preview for this game for my newspaper, and I led, tell me what you think, I led with this. I said that for the sake of Midwestern football, the roof at Lucas Oil Stadium should be open on Saturday night, and it should be snowing in bunches preferably. If it's not snowing, it should be sleet, and I don't know if it's too late, but but they should put a natural surface down there in Lucas Oil as well. I want to see mud. I I want to not be able to distinguish the Michigan players from the Iowa players when they when they meet up in butt heads. You know, I want I want this to be just like one of those hard hitting, hard nosed football games that that only these two fan bases could possibly love. And enjoy I want everybody else to be like oh I'm i'm not watching that no uh I'm not worried about Michigan no so I want that kind of game
1: I'd be down for a game that's you know ends in like a 17 to 10 score you know 17 to 9 score uh you know maybe a little frustrated with the offenses but you know, just loving defense on both sides, just great smash mouth defensive football. Yeah, um, I think we'll see some points from both teams. You know, both teams can score, especially Michigan. Uh, and I think that you know the one thing that probably worries me more than anything is Iowa's game plan. You know, Iowa is a team that is so well coached under Kirk Ferentz, and you know the many assistants he's held on to uh, for the long haul. And and I just think that you know this is a team that knows how to prepare for an opposing team, you know, probably better if, if not, you know, one of the best at the very least in the Big Ten. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Iowa tries to somehow with their, you know, not so good offense exploit Michigan's defensive tempo issues, you know, hurrying it up, you know, trying to catch Michigan off guard, you know, understanding the weaknesses that Michigan still has, you know, even um, though they just beat a tremendous Ohio State team. But, you know, at the end of the day, Michigan finally has a lot to play for. You know, they proved everybody wrong against Ohio State. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh's one goal is to continue that trend and, and kind of show everybody, you know, why he's a, a good football coach.
0: Yeah, I don't mean to make it sound like I'm talking down on Iowa. I mean, it's just, you know, Michigan, like, is the better team. Um, but, but man, Iowa is one of those teams that will just make you look bad. Like, like, they'll have you leaving the stadium thinking, what the hell just happened to us? Uh, so I, I don't want to make it seem like I think this is just a pushover. You know, uh, you can start booking your tickets to whatever semifinal game Michigan ends up in. Not not like that at all. Uh, score prediction. I've got a 30-15 Michigan. I think this is a game that, that Michigan has enough offense to win. I don't trust Iowa's offense to do much in this game. And I think it's one of those games where... You know, 30-15 makes it seem a little closer than perhaps it looked.
1: I'm going to go 31-20. Uh, gives me the spread, at least where I've sat as of now, with, uh, with uh, the 11-point victory. I think Iowa can score. Um, I think they will a couple of times. You know, uh, Michigan will hold them to some field goals. Uh, I think Michigan will look like, you know, the more dominant team throughout. But, you know, it's a Big Ten championship game. Iowa's was in this game for a reason. I think they're going to represent the West well. Kirk Ferentz teams always bring their best, and exactly like you said, I mean, it's the same reason they blitzed Ohio State a few years back. Uh, the same reason that they beat Michigan on a field goal on a dark Iowa night, uh, you know, in 2016. You know, this team seems to cause problems, uh, especially in big games, and, and this is. You know, quite literally, the biggest game that that Jim Harbaugh's had at Michigan, uh, but also a big game for Iowa with a chance to to win the Big Ten after kind of you know flopping for a while there after being number two in the country. So they have a lot to play for. Uh, Michigan has a little bit more to play for with a chance to make the college football playoff, and I think we'll be happy with the result on Saturday.
0: All right, that's eight Eastern uh, this Saturday on Fox. Get to Indianapolis if you can. If you get some extra tickets, let me know. Uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll get a discount from you. So yeah, just you know, keep me in your, keep me in your hearts out there as I try to get to this game. But we'll be back next week to talk about it. And gosh, hopefully we're talking about a, you know, Michigan's first trip to the college football playoffs. So take care out there. Go blue. Go blue.